0: I don't want to admit if that's my first attempt or several, but we hit the audio cue, and you're hearing that beautiful music, which means it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm the lucky guy that gets to host this show, Jim Reed, Blusterini in the home games, and at Holdem underscore Steelers um, on Twitter. And I am lucky enough to be joined by this wonderful group of Rec Poker wizards, and we're going to talk about some hands today. Uh, first, I just want to introduce our sponsors: the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and website AMP. Uh, now, before we get into it, why don't the panel introduce themselves? Regular members, why don't you go first? Who's uh, who all here, and how can the Rec Poker Nation find you alphabetically?
1: I'm John you?
0: <laughs> poker geek, M N everywhere. And I brought Washington on my Radman 50 everywhere. And they are everywhere. If you've been to <laughs> Rec.poker, you've seen them in the forums, in the home games. You see them in the OPAs. They're here on the podcast. And another uh, friendly face that's been showing up more and more lately is my uh, Kinectian friend, Ben, who posts as Jam In 96. Uh, ben, welcome to the show. Where can, uh, can Rec Poker Nation reach you?
2: hey guys it's uh great to be here i'm jamming 96 in the uh, forums uh, you see me as east Coast bidder in the home game i'm actually i'm actually on <laughs> actually playing right now um and yeah i'm i'm usually in the forums i also just started my twitch account so i'm be jamming ninety six on Twitch. There's too many Jammins on Twitch, apparently. So I couldn't get the jam ninety six everywhere. So <laughs> yeah,
0: everywhere is tough, right? These guys have it down. It is. Down. It is. These guys have it lucky. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. And I think uh, I heard a little birdie tell me, Ben, that you're also going to be uh, helping Taylor Moss out with some of the uh, rec poker Twitch streaming that's coming down the pipe. That's right. So right. I'm
2: not sure. I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but uh, I think. I'm up this week. He just he just emailed me actually about nice. that. So I think I'm up this week to. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll be out in time for everyone to hear, but yeah, we will be on this week. So and then hopefully once uh, Marek is over, then I'll be in. I'll be in a few
0: more times. So yeah, yeah. fantastic. Looking forward to it. So um, you nailed it. Every week we get together. Uh, we we pull a post from the discussion forums at Rec Poker. And while we're trying to take each other's chips in the nightly home game that John Somsky sets up us uh, for us on PokerStars every night, we get together and we talk about that post. So tonight, as we are stealing each other's chips, we're talking about a post from our very own Ben Jammin here. Um, a little bit of a follow-up from a few weeks ago uh, where we talked about his situation um, I guess we'll pull back the curtain here so uh, but this is the same Ben who won a couple uh, satellite uh, sweepstakes t- tickets <laughs> to some uh, higher stakes tournaments that he wasn't not usually uh, used to playing. And so we did a, uh, an episode talking about some of the considerations you might have, some of the ways you might change your approach, um, some of the options you might have going into um, a higher stakes poker tournament. And uh, so we brought him on to talk a little bit about it. So, um, Ben, I know you've got a hand. We're going to talk about a little later on in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, But first, uh, I know you listened to the other podcast. It was too late to help you because you were already an attorney at that point. But um, can you talk a little bit about how you ended up actually preparing differently for these and if you thought that kind of stuff worked or if there were things you would have done differently?
2: Well, i think uh i think i should have spent a little bit more time on deep stack play well and or either that or i would have late registered all the tournaments oh yeah <laughs> because uh, so what i ended up doing was i ended up playing half the tournaments because i had four tickets um so i ended up playing the first two just regular just straight registered them um bought right in and it, it was long days for sure so it was big grinds so um, I think that's what I learned the most, I would say is learning, you know, how to approach them as far as like late reg and stuff. And because I'd never been in a spa like that where to say, Oh, you know, the best thing to do is the late reg. You don't want to get in there with 200 big blinds and have these guys, you know, really work over you and, and make you make bad decisions when you're super deep. You'd rather be more short so that, you don't make those expensive mistakes, so
0: that's interesting because we we did talk about that in the in the episode. And I wonder, can you talk a little bit about what were the kind of spots that you felt uncomfortable in? Because uh, it's true, the the bigger stack favors the more experienced player, and you know the the mistakes, as you said, the the less experienced player tends to make more expensive mistakes with big stacks. So, was there a particular dynamic that made you feel like that stack wasn't your friend, or a couple's couple Um, factors about it or just generally it's just a lot (laughs) this
2: may come as a surprise but it was actually the amount of limping Mm. there was a lot a lot of limping a lot more limping than what i would normally expect from especially from a 215 and the 530 there was there was a lot of limping and i wasn't really sure how to respond to it especially when i would try and isolate those limpers and then have them call or have multiple callers and then have to play multi-way um, just how to approach multi-way pots when you're 200 big blinds deep mm. can be a little bit tricky, especially when you're not sure how much of a skill edge you have against these players.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, that's those low SPR spots, right, or those yeah. high SPR spots high rather. SPR, where yeah. um, and I think and was your impression of these limping players that they were uh, like donkeys that just didn't know how to play, or was it part of a, a balanced limping range? Hard to tell, right?
2: hard to tell i mean i mean you really need the numbers on these players yeah. right and it's hard when you when you have it like cuz all these all these tournaments were if you look i put the post up i mean most of them were 30,000 entries i think right. five, the 530 had 12,000 entries so you know, the amount of players is just huge. So you're having a hard time when you make these table changes to try and get fresh reads on players, especially when you make the table change and they're still limping. Right. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like you get to a table and all of a sudden, you know, oh, there's guys raising and three betting and four betting 200 big blinds deep. It's no, they're still, it's still limp, limp, limp. And then one guy might ISO, but it, it still might limp around. And then, it, you know, it still might go multi-way with collars and stuff like that. So I think yeah. that was really the most difficult part for me, I think, was trying to navigate those spots for sure.
0: That's interesting. Now, now, John and Rob, um, when we... When I hear that, what I think is that most of these players with the deep stacks were planning to limp call a lot. There was not gonna be a lot of limp folding and limp raising. And what they're trying to do is just start with an open size that when they get raised, they can still call comfortably and get to the flop with a lot of speculative hands that they want to. Um, Cause that's a good reason not to open raise, to limp instead if you expect to get raised. Um, does that, does that tell you either of you anything about it or, or do you have a strategy that you might employ to combat that?
1: My first thought would be, um, to do the isolation, do isolating a little bit tighter, uh, and maybe to a bigger sizing Yep. because basically isolate for value instead of as an, um, or raise for value instead of. As a way of isolating if that's not working i think
3: when you're sitting at 200 big blinds i mean that's just that's a huge stack for a tournament player so it is it is an uncomfortable place to be so i think what's happening is people want to see a lot of flops but they don't want to commit a lot of chips until they see if they hit the flop or not Mm. right so there's a lot of limping going on because they say hey if I hit a flop here this is going to be great and it's only going to cost me you know one big blind to uh, get into this pot and if I don't hit anything I can fold and again it only cost me one big blind. So I think the the I think the strategy by those players is just that. Let's let's see a lot of flops. Let's see if we can hit something and let's see if we can stack somebody that has you know that makes the second best hand.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. And we've got a note from Kim in the chat here saying, uh, "Play tighter early when stacks are deep." Yeah, that's right. Um, and and I think one of the things we talked about last episode was also uh, being in position more uh, with those non-premium sure. hands because it is going to be hard to play out of position post flop. So yeah,
3: you said, what John. I think what John said is absolutely correct. If you're going to get involved and you want to isolate, you're going to have to have some big hands. You're not going to isolate with the kinds of hands that you might want to steal from later on. You're going to want to have a very tight range when you get involved with that many big blinds. Especially with, was quite a bit
2: of early position limping as well. So guys limping under the gun or just off, you know, under the gun or in that earlier position where it was like, ooh, this might get dicey. You know, they might have a monster that they're just waiting for me to do this and then I might get into trouble, right? So,
0: yep. And did you consider in the moment, just folding to those reeds, to those limps and just like not getting involved in the hand.
2: I think there was a few hands that definitely I would, I think I would have normally, you know, wouldn't have had an issue getting involved with um, and, and, you know, trying to isolate a little bit more, but then I think I got a few more reads, you know, I did get some, some reads in some of the tournaments, but for the most part, um, I think, yeah, I I think I pretty much started to stay away from it, especially Mm -hmm. with a lot of weak ASEX, like, yeah. Even, even like like ace nine, ace eight, and ace seven, and ace six. Like all those offsuit, especially. Like suited is, oh, yeah. is different, totally different. Um, but like with the offsuit, but of, with those offsuit of combinations, those are really tough, I think. Especially deep.
0: Especially Yeah, deep. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So I, I think, think I didn't.
2: found a lot more. I don't, I don't know if I call those nitty folds, but I found those more, I just passed on those spots where I didn't think I was going to have a skill edge post flop where I think yep. if I like, where, like you say, if I'm going to raise, I have to have something better than, you know, a six offsuit. <laughs> or
1: <A7 Yes>. offsuit. <laughs> I might, I might go
3: as tight as uh folding ace, 10, ace, Jack, right. In those situations but just because you're so deep. Yeah. It's so easy to get, you know, Coolered with your you know you got top pair, top kicker with a jack mm-hmm. and somebody's got queen jack or somebody's got uh you know a, a dip maybe a, a, a jack and and hits something or other card now you're sitting there with the ace high and you're going and you're committing a lot of chips i guess what i'm trying to say is you get reverse implied odds right
0: mm. yes right. yep and that's especially bad the deeper you are yeah, you know, like yep. those reverse implied odds, they're not so, they don't really care that much if you've got like 20 big blinds or something like that. But deep, that's where you, that's where you pay for those hands, those, yeah. those one pair bad kicker hands. Those are just, you just don't want to play those. hands. Yeah. And I th- I'm sure if I look through
2: the hand histories, you'll see spots where early, early I might stab. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, and then, and then I learn the players and then you start to figure out, okay, you know, these guys aren't probably going to fold to a C bet, you know, right. on the flop you know, it's not the home game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's talk, to, so, so let's talk about that a little bit. So what were a couple of the other spots where you felt like, um, you know, you were out of your comfort zone, you know, or whether it was cause of the stakes or cause of the play, um, or areas didn't feel like. Were... No, your, the audio was, your audio was cutting out there, Jim.
3: <laughs>
2: okay. I don't know if it's any
0: better now.
3: Try
2: and run with it. If it's not. Yeah, no, I, I got you, Jim. Um, now uh, I think the that's where I felt uh, uncomfortable. I think the 530, believe it or not. I actually don't think the the 1K I wasn't I feel like I wasn't that worried about. But for some reason I think and I know the reasons I I say it in the in my posts. But um I fired at the uh the $400 40 stack back in the summer when the WSOP was running on GG and I got aces the first hand and then I got seven deuce to hand, and I got Kings and I got it all in for like a hundred big blinds, just an absolute punt against the guy who had middle set and I didn't improve. So I didn't, I, I had some anxiety because I had played, you know, I'd taken a shot at something like that before. Um, so I was just, I think for that buy-in, I was a little bit more nervous because I, I had actually played something like that and it hadn't gone well. Um mm. the one k I had an experience so that was just a complete unknown and I knew that I probably wasn't gonna have a good skill edge anyways, but the five thirty it's more of a place where I see myself someday being like you always you know you know i see I see these big streamers playing in these tournaments you know every day and I just like, oh I want to you know I want to be that someday you know I want to be playing in these five hundred dollar online tournaments like that would be great to have a role to be able to do that is just phenomenal um so I think for me personally it was more of a thing where I just wanted to prove myself in that field. More so than the one cakes. I knew there was gonna be some killers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. One K. But in the five thirty, <laughs> I felt like this is somewhere where I could see I could see myself in the future. So nice. Yeah, I don't know. That was just kind of my thoughts on it. I don't know what you guys what you guys think about that, but
0: yeah, I know. I know Rob uh, has said before that you have to sort of take these shots every once in a while in these in these tournaments you want to play in to like know where you are and to to get a sense of becoming more familiar with that with that player pool. So mm-hmm. uh, I think, I uh, think that's where that,
3: something funny that I was thinking about when I read Ben's post today is back in 2012, I I satellited into a MSPT. It's a thousand dollar. Live tournament, and I thought I was the jizz nizzical right? I thought I was <laughs> the jizz nizzy. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I just thought I was. I thought I was that. And, a <laughs> and and so I ended up final tabling it, you know, making my biggest cash ever. And then wow. I, about a couple tu- wow. a couple years later, when I was studying poker, trying to get better, and whatnot. I got into it again and I was, I realized how bad I was when I got into it the second time (laughs) because I knew more than I did the first time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the
3: first time I just, I was unconscious. I just thought I was, I was, yeah, I was it, I was it, right? I knew what the hell I was doing, but I really didn't. But, and I realized that when I gained more experience, and started learning more and learning more and learning more all of a sudden you realize where you are in that spectrum i guess
0: yeah yeah and my my poker goal these days is to just if i'm in a tournament that matters i don't want to be doing something for the first time i don't want to be thinking about a strategy for the first time a move for the first time that's my poker goal these days i just if i'm going to be in a poker tournament that means something to me I want to be prepared enough that I feel familiar with the decisions I'm going to have to make. I feel comfortable with the stakes. I need to be able to walk away from a bad beat feeling like that's life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't you can't do that the first time you're playing in a tournament at a certain stake, too. So I really like Rob's uh, point on that and kind of getting familiar with it. And it's an investment in your future, too. Not only the experience of playing in the tournament, but that familiarization, uh, you know, the next time you do it. Like you said already, it affects you, right? You had that bad experience earlier, mm-hmm. and so that you kind of sweating that as you come into it. Oh, so that was, it. that was
2: on my mind the first. The first, my first thought was when I went in and that five hundred thirty dollars. I said, "Don't give me aces the first hand. <laughs> <laughs> I want aces the first hand. I said, I'll take, I'll take seven deuce. I'll take 10, yep. nine suited. I'll take any other hand just." Don't give me aces the first hand, and I know it can, I know it'll all just, (laughs) it'll all be fine.
0: (laughs) So, as it turned out, I've got some insider information. It wasn't the first hand, um, but you did end up getting a pair of aces at one point. And why don't you talk us uh, through that hand? Because that was a good example. Yeah, oh thanks, man. <laughs> Gotta start doing this more regularly. Yeah, that was slick, yeah. So, <laughs> so tell us about this one because we, we you put this in right. your post as well. And I'll encourage everyone. We we go through these uh forum posts on the show when we talk about some of the points that get brought up in there, but it really doesn't do it justice. A lot of people contribute to these posts um and it's free to go join the rec poker forums just go to rec.poker get a free community account and uh, you can join ben and our wizards and every all our members here uh, in the post so anyway go check that out there's a bunch of great responses we don't have time to get into all of it but um, ben did outline the hand uh, in the post here so you look down you've been grinding a little
2: it's you been see a long day. Pretty good.
0: Yeah. And that's the other thing, right? The structures are yeah. different. It so is, it's yeah. a longer tournament, you're mm-hmm. deeper for longer. Um, fatigue does kind of get to set in, and you know, focus yeah. and discipline is a, a finite resource for us. So um so so you look down, you see Ace Ace, what's going through your mind?
2: I just see <laughs> I just see Kim in the chat. I have I have our entire combo about the hand here in case you forget anything. <laughs> 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 So that's a little bit of a needle, but I know Kim was watching on stream because I, I did stream this actually. So um, I, I, sh- I don't know if I, I don't know if I save this hand or not, but I do try and grab some hands occasionally that are that are big sweats or whatever. But yeah, that's that's funny, Kim. I do enjoy. that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, so we're 81 big blinds deep on. Yeah, I look down and I have the uh, the Ace of Spades and the Ace of Diamonds. And we are two off the big blind here, so we're in kind of earlier position. This is an eight-handed table, and we're and everyone's here, everyone's attending, so <laughs> we got everyone's in their seat. So um, it folds to us, and I go ahead and raise to two point two. And a lot of looks. I just want to look at the stacks here. So it looks like we have twenty-four big blinds in, uh, in the big blind. Hmm. We got a big stack in the in the small blind, like sta- uh, 156 big blinds in the yeah. small blind, so quite a few chips. We get a call from, I believe that's the low jack or high jack. Sorry, yeah, that's yeah. right, middle hijack. position. Yeah, middle position. Um,
0: we get folds. Yeah, so we're heads up. So you open uh, two? Was it two point two or something you 2 said? Point, 2.2, Yeah. Two point two, and you get called in middle position. Everyone else folds. Uh, You go to the flop. Yeah. So, and it looks like there's quite a range of stack sizes here at the table. You've got 81. There's a monster in the small, in the small blind, the big blind short, and the uh, middle position player had 49 big blinds. So you've got them covered. Um, The effective stack is 49 big blinds. So it folds around uh, and we get to see a flop. So what's the flop then? So we have the three of hearts, the 10 of clubs
2: and the six of hearts we have a flush draw on board with two
0: hearts and a ton of clubs a ton of high board so. so before we go any further panel what are you thinking when you when you get to this this feels like a pretty mandatory c-bet to me i don't see any shocked looks on anyone's face so i think that's pretty <laughs> uncontroversial maybe we yep. can just continue right past that yeah so what, what's the pot size at that point
2: so there's 6.8 uh 6.9 i guess and um, what was you your up. sizing I choose uh, 2.27, so I go with the small. I think mm-hmm. I could probably even, in-game, I think I can maybe even go a little bit smaller. Um, afterwards, looking at it, maybe I could even go, I can even maybe even go a little bit smaller. I don't know what your guys' thoughts on that, or if we need to nitpick that a whole lot. Or.
0: What do you guys think, uh, panel, Robin, Robin well, John? I
3: did, the middle position player is going to, should have a stronger range than, than, And it shouldn't probably hit this hand very well. The only thing that I would worry about is potential flush drop. Because you got two hearts on the board. Two hearts, yeah. So that'd be the only thing I'd be concerned about. So yeah, I think the small sizing is probably okay just because the chances of him hitting this, you know, with a 10, a six, or a three is pretty small. So you want you want him to to call
0: with some of those draws because that's how you're going to get your value with your aces. Right. I agree. Yep. I like, uh, I like small C bets, typically particularly out of position. And again, you have to kind of, well, you don't have to, it's up to you. I like to think about, um, having one bet size, no matter what is in my hand. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't want to be doing a small C bet here with a wide range and that would include aces. So,
2: yeah. And I think I would pretty much agree with that too. Like, uh, I think I'd be betting small here with, with all kinds, with all kinds of stuff, ACEs, ACEs included. So, yep um, and we- yeah,
0: Kim in the chat says that uh, she thinks it's perfect with the stack sizes as well. We knew Kim would like it as long as it wasn't a half pot bet. So that's easy money. <laughs> yes, that's it wasn't. Right
2: we got we got rid of the half pot button before we played this <laughs> tournament just for Kim. So it was it was good. <laughs>
0: so uh, you bet two point three, which is functionally the same as the open size. So it's yeah. not it's not exactly a down bet, but it's not um, it's not like a threatening uh, mm-hmm. bet. And uh, they they call. They go ahead and call. Yeah. So uh, the turn comes, uh, a really fun card. Why don't you take us through the turn there?
2: It's the three of spades. Oh, so, good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the board's now
2: paired. There's a flush draw, but there's no, there's no. it's not the ten of spades on the board, I think. But I do have the ace of spades in my hand. So, but yeah, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are now. <laughs> We're out of position, we've got called, and we have aces in spot. Yeah, and so the spot. Yeah, so the
0: board's now 10-6-3-3 with uh, two Two hearts. hearts. Um, I'm, I'm continuing here, I think, because we're ahead of all their one pair hands. Um, they have, when they call the flop, they have a bunch of tens. Uh, they have a bunch of like overcards uh, with back doors. They have a bunch of flush draws, none of those hit. So I feel very confident, um, making another bet. And this is a great example of one of those spots where you can bet, um, and know that you don't have the nuts. Like you can make a bet expecting for the right decision to be folding to a shove or something some of the some of the time. Um, and this seems like that kind of spot. Um, we talked about sizing on the flop. Um, I I like to bet smaller on the flop and bigger on the turn. There's a number of theory reasons that go into that. One of the nice things about it is that that weak flop range that continued uh, now has to get put in a tougher position and you get to win a bigger pot when they fold because you included that flop bet that you wouldn't have uh, gotten value for with a larger sizing mm-hmm. uh so kim you, also says you, she likes 65 percent pot here
3: yeah yeah i was going to say 66 but mm-hmm. um what are you what are you targeting there i mean what what hands are you targeting are you actually are you betting for value or you're trying to get him off of his flush draws and <laughs> Wait potential two (laughs) pairs you know (laughs) what what is what is the goal for the bet and i think this
2: is i think rob i think you hit it right on the head when you say this because i think this is where i got in my own head in this spot where i was like what I i think i thought that where i was like what am i what am i going for here like if if i bet here and he raises me how excited am i am with aces in this spot with no heart um You know paired board it's a big tournament you know if we lose if we get all in with this guy we're gonna you know it's gonna be a big chunk of our stack you know um i don't know
0: yep it doesn't feel and the other thing is i mean it's true one pair is not typically a three streets of value hand so you're not you're not going to be able to bet three streets and get paid by a worse hand often So when that's true, you kind of have to choose, Mm -hmm. is this a one street of value hand? Is this a two street of value hand? If it's two, which are the streets that I can get the best money in? Um, To me, it's in this case, it's the flop and the turn because as we're seeing some notice in the chat here, I think there are a bunch of tens there. Mm -hmm. There's pocket pairs uh, between sevens, eights, and nines. They wouldn't have raised the flop. They're still paying you for value um you've lost agree, your right, over yeah. card straight draws but you've still got the two hearts and when you come to the river that river card is going to either make the flush that you don't want to see put an over card out there that is going to either be bad for you or bad for your action right like that's the other part of it is that you're in this position where you don't want them to make the hand that beats you but you also don't want them to get scared off um and you can't get value from those pocket hearts or from those uh, flush draws on the river. You can only get them on the turn. Mm-hmm. You are going to get raised sometimes. And so then you have to decide, is right. this the kind of player who's going to be doing this only with value? Or is it someone who's trying to get me off pocket aces here? Mm-hmm. Um, and they exist. They're out there. There's more of them in the big tournaments than there are in the Rec Poker Nightly home game. So it's a it's a good thing to be thinking about. Um, that all leads me to want to, want to see bet the turn. What, what do you guys, what do you guys think?
1: Yeah.
3: I'd continue yeah. on the turn.
0: <clears throat>
1: yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, all of the 10 jacks, 10 queens are going to continue calling you. They aren't going anywhere. 10, nine even. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might even get a call out of something like a six, seven, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that would just think you were continuing with ace king. Right. So I think there's plenty of value to okay. be had here. Um and you don't want to give them the flush draw for f- free if mm-hmm. that's what they're on.
0: Mm. Or part, a chance to get two pair for that. Part. Right. And a part of that is, you know, it's built into that smaller bet on the flop too. Like you chose that smaller sizing intentionally to allow them to continue with some weak holdings and so they did so you can still get some value from them um or you can fold out some of those uh some of those hands that have some equity against you i think actually the the turn the turn pairing the board really helps you out in that yeah, case because that's a good, really good card yeah now you're right. counterfeiting their other two pair combos and um mm-hmm. it's just less likely i mean yeah if they have a three then now you're crushed but um it really does it i think it actually favors you
2: yeah, and we and we don't have the uh, for everyone who's li- just listening. I don't have the Ace of Hearts in my hand here. I have the Ace of Diamonds and the Ace of Spades. Just to, okay. just to make sure that we're all all good there. But. So
0: you check, and and I, I don't think yeah, I check.
2: I, yeah, I don't think it's like I'm not sure it's necessarily
0: like a offense. Well, um, yeah, um, and that's
2: I guess that's why we have quite. That's why we have the discussion on. You know, that's why we have the discussion there you know, so in depth about whether I should bet, you know, what I should bet on the turn or if I'm going to bet, you know, or if it's a mistake, you know, if to not, you know, to not bet. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hmm. Well, <laughs> I feel like, it, I don't know if it, looking at it now, it feels like I should have bet the turn and it was a mistake, but I don't know what you guys, what you guys. Well, think. the way I look at
3: it is on, in a hand like this, where you, you're going for value. Um, you, Jim said it very well that you're not going to get value on the river. You're only going to get value on the turn from those types of hands that you expect to get value from. Now, obviously if he has a three, you know, you're already crushed. Um, But if he has a 10, like John was saying, a 10 queen, 10 jack type hand, maybe a couple hearts, you know, you're going to get some value that you're not going to be able to get on the river. So on this type of hand, I would probably bet the turn. There's other hands where you might be in a more condensed range where you might want to check check the uh, turn and try to see a cheap river and you know just and hope hopefully be able to take advantage of a, of a bluff or something on his on his part. but in this case we're we're so strong we're at the upper part of our range. I mean we got the upper part of our range period. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where you try to get your value when you can
0: right yep yep i agree and uh kim says it is a hanging offense take you to the gallows but uh okay so as played and, and i think you know i guess the last point on that is that sometimes you're going to bet the turn they're going to call and the heart's going to come and you're going to feel stupid about bloating the pot out of position but you just you just you have to feel stupid sometimes because sometimes things aren't going to go the way you want them to go, but that doesn't mean it's not a, the right decision in the big picture. It's just every, every decision has this much of it where things go your way and this much of it where things don't go your way. You don't get to choose how that's going to go. You just make the right decision. The most. I know. Yeah, you you, know, know,
3: you know, what's funny about that, Jim is if you bet 65% of the pot, you're taking his odds away of chasing that flush draw. Yeah. So if he calls that and hits his flush, well, he made a mistake.
0: Mm, I love that. He made a mistake by calling that um, and got lucky. Mm. Yep. Yep. That's a good point. Great point. point. And that's what poker is, right? Poker is about forcing other people to make mistakes. Exactly. More mistakes than you make. Yeah. Um, And the best way to do that, in my opinion, is with like bet sizing. Uh, Bet sizing is a great way to make people make mistakes. Um, So, yeah. And uh, Kim uh, puts in the chat here that also when hearts miss – you can check river to indu- induce a bluff. And yeah, that's, that's a great point. You're not going to get that uh, value mm-hmm. otherwise. Okay, so uh, check, check. Check, um, check. Time for the river. Another exciting card. This one's the six of clubs. So the board is ten, six, six, three, three, two hearts. And there are about 11 and a half big blinds in the pot. What are you thinking here? And uh, just actually before you even mentioned Ben, uh, what do you think panel? You're in this spot, as played, turn went check, check. Uh, the board is double paired with a 10 uh, open. What, what are you thinking here?
3: Well, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, this guy did not call the pre-flop with a 6 or a 3 in his hand.
0: Feels unlikely. I am with it
3: you. feels unlikely. So he's looking at it um, that he's got a 10. If he's got a 10, then he's feeling pretty good because he's got a bigger two pair than the board. Um, a lot of times in these situations, an ace is all you need. Because if somebody has an ace-king, ace-queen type hand, they're going to feel pretty comfortable that, well, you don't have a six or a three. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my uh, ace is usually the the winning hand in this situation because you got two pairs on the board. Mm-hmm. So I would probably
0: check and call any bet. Mm. hmm Yeah, you do get some value from... So I always think about in these moments, you don't really have to worry about how he's going to play hands like Ace-10 or, you know, like the hands that he's going to put a bet in no matter what. That's not where you should be thinking about your your target here. Um, you got to think about how am I going to get money in the pot most often from those cusp hands. Yep. And some of them will call a bet that you make and some of them will not call that bet, but they'll bluff if you check. Um, so you kind of have to do some mental math in the moment and and it's something you have to drill yourself off, off the felt counting combos and hand ranging and give yourself a real internalized idea of how many combos of value versus how many combos of bluff could they have here? How likely is this player to pull the trigger on a bluff, um, on a double pair board like this? And then I, I mean, yeah, Rob nails it. You do get more, um, weak hands putting money in the pot as a bluff than as a call so um that's that's the theory there um I mean I'm still kind of tempted to bet i think just because as played we've kind of weakened our range here right because we haven't uh <laughs> yeah. when we check the turn and then nothing scary comes in i mean it does it still kind of feels like a one pair hand though like now I think the problem is when we bet here it's like oh, okay the hearts didn't come in i can bet And that just tells people that you don't, you know, you have kind of one of those middling strength hands. Mm -hmm. Um, The only,
1: the only issue I have with betting here is because we showed weakness on the turn. mm -hmm. um, It really, I don't know. It it makes it questionable. I guess you could have played a six that way, uh, but it's unlikely you have many sixes opening from early position and by betting you are giving them the hammer to really take it away from you mm-hmm. um, and so I I would probably check because I want to get value from flush draws that are willing to mm-hmm. bluff at it um, you are missing a little bit of value from 10s because it's likely a 10 will still call you on this particular board but I would probably probably i know if i had bet the turn i would check the river here yes exactly Um, yep yep. and and i don't know if that's influencing my decision but i it still feels like i want to check the
0: river here and this is this is a good example of that spot where this is a two streets of value hand and we we kind of we still want to get that second street of value but we didn't get it on the turn um And I think we could comfortably, uh, yeah, I think we can more comfortably bet it on the turn. I I think now it just gives them, it makes them more likely to raise as a bluff. I think that's part of the problem. When you check the turn, you weaken your range. So you make yourself a more tempting bluffing target. And now you have to actually like make some hard decisions if you bet and get raised. Because you've allowed them to kind of bluff you a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, if you check and call, your range is even weaker. They're bluffing even more, and uh, it feels like feels like that's a better way to get the bad money in. <laughs> mm, right. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think it plays better as a check call. So, so, like if we check here and he goes, let's
2: say he goes for an overbet. Let's say he goes for one point five. 1.5x on the river here when there's 11, mm. so I don't know how much that would be. Uh, yeah, like 17 big blinds. Uh, 17, 17, yeah, 17, yeah. Or 18, 17 or 18 here on the river. What do you guys think then if we check? So
1: that would leave you with what about 50 big blinds after the hand?
2: Yeah, I just I'm worried about when I like when I, if I check here, I'm just worried about making a quick decision on the river and. And just flipping a chip in and not thinking about what he, what he has that, that he bluffs with, I guess, is is kind of
3: where I'm at with that. Well, I think the with the action that we take, I think we have to call just about any bet he makes at this point. Right. Because we've, we've given him every opportunity to bluff at this hand. And the only cards that beat us is if he happens to have a six, a three, or pocket tens. Mm-hmm. You know that's the only things that could beat us, and he slow played his pocket tens pretty well. If that's what he had, yeah, that's true. Um, that is true, yeah. So true. I, you know, you gotta, you, you, you got. If you're gonna check here, you've gotta call any bet. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think, I think even, that's what I
2: would have done if I, if I think I would, if, if I would have checked, I think I just don't, I feel like I would have just snap called <laughs> if oh, I yeah. would have checked here for sure. Like I would s- just flipped a chip in and yeah, and not to would, so yeah. on just flip a chip in. Yeah,
1: I don't know. For me, it, it the overbet. I would think hard about it. I'd probably yeah. end up calling. But if he does like a double pot size overbet, I might very well fold to that because got- it, it it just it, it doesn't seem like that's a very good bluff. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but it is a good value bet. The thing is, <laughs> yeah. is you aren't, you aren't you didn't represent that much strength. So I wouldn't think that although I've seen people just, you know, do crazy overbets because yeah, they're not going to get called that often, but when they do, hmm. you know, it's a gold mine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think as played, I, I have to believe that he plays, he bets some of his stronger hands on the turn when you check to him. Cause if he's in, if he's in position on the turn with a 10 or trips With a flush draw out there, Mm. um, I would still, I'd be betting the turn when checked to. So I think you can eliminate some of the highest value hands. He could still check behind with like a six, which prayers on the river. So I think most of the hands that beat you at this point are hands with a six in them. I don't see him doing pocket tens this way. I don't see him doing a 3 uh this way i just don't i mean yeah i think we
2: can actually take pocket tens out just just based on the way it played i think yep. because i really think that it's even for a really good player it's hard to check i don't, I don't even think you should check no there,
0: not at you. that stack depth i think you no i think i mean you gotta
2: you gotta bet right so i think we can reasonably take out tens out of the range. i don't know if that's called being capped or not if i'm using that correctly is that yep. the correct term yeah
0: yeah and now um, we're getting some comments in the chat uh, about like five six suited, seven six suited. Yep, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think they're, those are some hands that they call with in position. They call the flop with one pair. They check behind with second pair and some showdown value. And uh, then they get lucky uh, on the river. So I think if I, had to, if I had to guess, I'd say if you lost this hand, they had a six in it. And if you won this hand, they had a ten. <laughs> but why don't you tell Great us? Results. Why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell us what happens here on the river? So yeah, so we go ahead and we
2: bet. We bet small. We go okay. for. Um, I believe I th- I believe I hit the third pot button, but mm-hmm. it's it, we go for. Um, we go for three point seven. I believe it's 3.8, 3.7 yep. on the river, big blinds, and there's eleven point yeah eleven and a half in the pot. say. Okay. So. So that's very callable, right?
0: Like, I think you're. I'm praying he has a 10. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. That's, it feels like you're value yeah. targeting a 10. Maybe even sevens through nines might mm-hmm. call. But I, don't know, I don't know. Probably not. Like, what are yeah. they putting you on at this point? Mm-hmm. Or
3: any, any ace, ace, king, ace, king, ace, yeah.
0: queen, ace, jack. That's a good point, Rob. Nine, you know, because, again, there's two pair on the board. Yeah. Right. So ace is a kicker. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's going to be good sometimes, sometimes yeah. when Ben's bluffing. And Ben should be bluffing here sometimes <laughs> because the opponent didn't bet the turn when they got checked to. So you can see the ripple effects of checking that turn. Eh? Like It mm-hmm. really affects the dynamic on the river now.
2: And I actually bluffed into this player later in the tournament on a double-pair board when I had Queen High. So, (laughs) and I did the exact same thing I did. I used a small sizing and it was the exact same player Mm. and it was, I had queen 10 of spades and it was like a double paired board. And we made a small, super tiny bet on the river, just like this, just, just like almost in the same spot. I think he made the stack sizes were pretty similar as well, but. How did they respond? They folded.
0: Hmm. All right. That's good. So. So they're, they're paying attention. Yeah, that's interesting. So they're not just, uh, inelastic to your, sizing um okay so you make the small bet Mm -hmm. and they make a raise
2: yep they go to 16.8 here on the uh on the river
0: so it's a little over four times your bet but it's not actually that big a raise relative to the pot um interestingly i think so it's not a overbet shove go away raise um, it looks like it has some fold equity. I think they could do this with a pretty balanced range. Uh, so after you throw up in your mouth, what is the next thing that happens here? So what what are you thinking when you see that river raise? Um,
2: I just I really 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 wish I could find the fold button in this in this spot, <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, but. I wouldn't think, I wouldn't, somebody put in the, in the chat, you know, quad sixes. Um, I would think that you'd hear from that when they had a full house on the turn. Right. You know, because they, yeah, they turned a full house. So I, I think five, six, six, seven is the type of hand that is going to do that, that beats you at this point in time.
2: Yeah. And then I I noticed in the chat there, there's also some, uh, I think Kim said sixes and threes as well are also yeah. he, which which are more i feel like are more in the range than than tens because i think tens probably goes for a little bit more value and with yep. quads it's harder to get value where you block some of the some of the three and the six x if you do have sixes or threes mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so uh, can anyone come up with any are there some good bluffing candidates that this player could have here that's Um, what i want to (laughs) know i mean they they still could do they i think because the board's double paired interestingly i don't think that takes their heart combos out of play as a raise as a bluff here um obviously it's purely a bluff like there's no it's not they're not trying to realize any equity or anything like that but they're not really afraid of the paired board as much because it's not like an earlier street where they're trying to make their flush and they care about getting uh counterfeit by it or anything so mm-hmm. there and you're not likely to have very many sixes or threes in your range either so yeah. it's actually a pretty good river um, for them to be making you uh, you know afraid um, when you look at the combos and do some hand ranging it you know again they're not it's not really smack in their value range either as we've as we've talked about but I do think they have more sixes there than mm-hmm. you do so
1: did they um, have well, very yeah. many over pairs the way it was played like over uh, over jacks, the
0: ten queens, I don't think so. Mm, I thought about I that don't too. Think, yeah, maybe a lot like, of those they would have three uh, bet you
2: pre flop, yeah, three bet pre, and then yeah. Um, I don't know if they. I don't know if because because they're essentially turning their hand into a bluff, right? If they have jacks, I don't know if they're. I don't know if they're trying to bluff there. If they're trying to get value, right? If they're if they're
1: mm-hmm. raising us on the river. Yeah, well, so let's so, let's say they close. have something like Ace Ten. Would they value bet that? Would they value three bet or raise, yeah. re raise you? I on the river, yeah,
0: yeah. I don't see it
1: because no, I
2: don't, I don't I, think
3: they're getting called by right. anything worse. Not only that, but you probably would have heard from them on the turn when you yeah. check the turn that ten is going to probably bet. Yeah. I'm thinking the only type of bluff that you're going to find out there is maybe an ace nine of hearts, yep, or an ace eight of hearts mm-hmm. eight, where they got the, where they got the ace. They've got that ace, so they're th- thinking that they're they're gonna try to get you off a chop. Yep. Cause you you know, you you started the hand with ace king, ace queen type of thing. You raised pre-flop. They called with a suited ace, so ace eight, ace nine, something like that. So they had the flush draw all the way, and now the double paired board, their ace is the kicker. That's you know, you see that a lot where you know you you end up going to the showdown, you both have an ace and you just chop the pot. he's trying to take you Mm -hmm. off the chop Mm. that would be the only the only type of hands that i would see that would be um potentially a bluff that they're just trying to take you off the chop Mm.
0: and that will happen more often at these upper tournaments like there's not a lot of people in the lower cases um trying to bluff you off a chop that's right. just not a strategy right. that that most recreational players employ. So it's something True. that you wouldn't be used to. That that will happen more there. Now this um, is
2: the one K, mind you. So this is yeah. a one thousand dollar buy. It's online as well. So I don't know. We could make a case for saying that maybe there's a few less recreationals that play. But I mean,
0: it is yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, big exactly. Sunday
2: guarantee. Big Sunday guarantee you know, there's still going to be
0: plenty of deep pockets around. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's right. That's what makes
2: Sunday. That's what makes Sunday. So
0: great. (laughs) You said it, buddy. (laughs) 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 All right. So as played, we bet, uh, they make the raise, you know, substantial, but not, um, an outlandish and drum roll, please. Ben
2: couldn't find the the fold button. Folks couldn't, couldn't find the fold there. I couldn't let the, I had, I had too much. uh, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't let it go. I couldn't find a fold and, I, and I had the reaction, I mean, I had the reaction, I threw my head, I, I remember throwing my head back and go, kind of going like this and kind of going, cause I was, I was actually eat, I was on lunch break actually when this hand came up, I, cause I, I remember this hand so well I had, so I had my mic off and I remember kind of throwing my hands up and kind of sitting back in the chair and then just hitting the, and then hitting the call button. But they ended up having, um, they ended up having the five, six, the five, six, uh, nine, yeah and yep. they rivered yep. They rivered the six. Brutal. So they made the full house on the river there, so.
0: Brutal. Yeah. All right, well, let's take a little minute here. I want to talk, uh, I want to hear from our friend, Jonathan Little, and then we'll come back and uh, close this handout. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead?
2: What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it, or do you just call? What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a 1,000 interactive hand quizzes
3: where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess, and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com
0: slash RecPoker right now. Thank you, Jonathan Little, for that inspiring word. He's so kind to just come and hang out with us while we do these and then just pop in to do the announcement and get back. He's such a busy guy. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, well and so consistent, too. Oh, yeah. He knows Not how to land those
1: marks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, so do, I enjoy his, co- his podcast there, guys, too. I just want to stick that. I do enjoy Jonathan Little. He's a great. He's great for the poker community. He is,
0: yeah, very generous with his time. Yeah. Uh, PokerCoaching.com yeah, has a bunch very of Very friendly on stuff Twitter as too. well. He, oh, yeah. He's always
2: taking time on Twitter. So, yeah. Definitely uh, definitely a good follow on Twitter, Jonathan Little. in
0: 96 approved.
1: (laughs) And I don't know if this will make you feel better or worse, but I don't think I would have been able to get away from that handy. So I would not have found the full... Yeah. And I would have been saying to myself, I'm just not good enough to fold this as I was making the call. <laughs> yeah. That's yep. why
2: I'm that's why I play uh, twenty dollar uh, <laughs> ABI <laughs> tournaments online.
0: <Yep>. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well it feels like if I mean pretty pretty Small mistakes, though, to be honest with you, like we're we're, we're, we're talking about this specifically so we can give you some constructive feedback And you can't get that if you do everything right. But all things being said, um, I wouldn't say that you butchered anything there. And um, uh, I like our conversation about if it's a two street of value hands, like choosing which streets it's going to be getting value from those flush combos on the turn that you can't get on the river um we're getting some nice comments here in the chat that's right uh, we know we've reached the next level we can when we can fold those big Big, hands hands, it's true um it's if you if you could i don't know one mistake that recreational players like us often make is just not folding big pairs um we we have a hard time folding big pairs we feel like we're entitled to win the hand um we project some sneaky bluffy lines on opponents because (laughs) we want it to be true right but, um, often it's just it's a one pair hand. Mm-hmm. I, I was doing a review with a coaching client uh, this week, and we were looking at one of the filters on Poker Tracker Four, one of the reports that shows the losing hands at showdown. And if you haven't looked at that, if anyone in the audience has poker tracker four, go over to um, reports and losing hands at showdown. Take a peek at how large a proportion of the losing hands at showdown are made up with one pair hands. One pair is a losing hand if you're playing it for more than ten big blinds. So uh, it's just one of those things where you got to treat it like a bluff catcher, even though it's pretty. If you're facing aggression, it, you're probably you're probably just not good. Yeah, and you're and you're not good you enough. <laughs>
2: If you play PLO, one pair of hands are just saying, Oh, good. I just started playing PLO here a couple months ago, so yeah,
0: <laughs> nice. Well, look out for next month's uh, mixed game. You're going to be out, you're going to be one of the people that takes the crown away from I got uh, it, Mike Patrick.
2: I got to that guy is just unreal yeah. in He's the mix games. He's really good. Yeah, yeah. I've chatted, chatted, I've chatted with him. He's a really nice guy too. So yeah, he he, is. yeah. He, I chatted him up a little bit because I was looking for some PLO advice. So nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of people that are free with their time. Yeah, another good another good Kanuckian. One of the uh, Recmo Rec, Rec Poker Canada members. So I'd like to thank Ben and Rob and John for, and of course Doug and Kim and Stu and William for joining us in the uh, chat here and sharing all these wonderful thoughts. I'd encourage everyone uh, go to rec.poker and get a free community account. If you've got a concept or a hand or something you'd like to talk about, uh, drop it in the forums there and maybe we'll bring you on to come uh, uh, bring it on the air with us next week. So Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, website AMP. Thank you so much for making this all happen, and we'll see you.